culture is confused. And it always has been. There's always been this tension that has existed between the church and culture, especially popular culture. There's always been this tension. The difference is now everybody carries around in their pocket things attached to Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. And so now the, the tension is now amplified to the nth degree. Get on, get on any social media platform and do this hashtag, church hurt. And what you're going to find are, are folks that have, many of them legitimately been hurt in the context of a church. But I've come to understand that most church hurt is really just people hurt. That when imperfect people show up and gather together, that sometimes we hurt each other. So what do you do with this tension that's existed forever between the church and culture that's as strong today as it's ever been? Do we, as the church, do we hide out and, and let them do them and we'll do us? Is that, is that what we're called to do? Is that what we're called to do? Just, just hide out in some Holy Ghost cave somewhere? No, that's not what we're called to do. Or what we could probably do is let's just become as much like culture as we can. Is that, is that going to work? So what do we do with that tension? What do we do that, with the tension that exists and has always existed between culture and the church? Does culture influence the church or does church influence the culture or is it both and? I don't know. I think, you know, here's, here's what you'll see. Watch, just watch music. You'll see church music follow cultural music. We're usually about six or eight years behind. It's true. I mean, I'm not being critical, but we, you, you know, it's just true. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like that many years ago, Dwayne stood in front of a choir full of people in magenta robes, and that's how we started our service every year. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because culture changes. So what do we do with that tension? What do we do with the idea that we are supposed to be salt and light in a broken world? And the words of Jesus, that when Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What do we do with that tension? It's a legitimate question, isn't it? How are we, as the body of Christ, how are we supposed to do our job in a culture that is very confused? Our culture is confused about what it's for and what it's against because it's constantly changing. Our culture's confused about the role of the church. It's funny, they don't, you know, culture doesn't, doesn't want its influence, but desires its benevolence. Doesn't want its doctrine, but needs our prayers. What do we do with the tension? There seems to be this adversarial component between culture and the church 
Is it supposed to be that way? I don't know. I, I watch Jesus come into this world and love people and heal people and serve people, didn't he? Yeah. And then I watch him walk into the temple and kick my, the, that hurt a little, <laughs> and, and kick the tables over. Right? Right? What do we do with that? Attention. So we're going to unpack 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3 today. Now, obviously, in the time we have, we can't go through every jot and tittle. And but here's what I would challenge you with. Uh, read those passages on your own um, over the next few days. In fact, those of you that have LifePoint marked as your church in version, tomorrow morning you're going to have a brand new Bible reading plan for 1 Corinthians. So if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do that. Go to version. If you've got version, select LifePoint as your church. Tomorrow morning you'll have that, that reading plan. But I, I want us to unpack this idea that the church was birthed to equip God's people to accomplish His divine plan and live His divine life. How many know God's got a plan and God has a life? And He has a plan for your life and he has a plan for our church to accomplish what he wants us to do in the earth would you agree with that yes. here we go uh, we're going to call today's message a divine mystery and i'm not going to talk to you about the mystery until the very end so you're gonna have to stay awake <laughs> thank you uh, and i just need you to know when you fall asleep when i'm preaching it hurts my feelings <laughs> so so try real hard not to do that today i'm just kidding no, actually, I'm not kidding. It does hurt my feelings, but I get it sometimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around the church for any length of time. That is what the Scriptures mean, Paul says, to the Corinthian church when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. If you've heard that passage before in your life, raise your hand. If you heard it in the context of a sermon, keep your hand up. What was the sermon about? Huh? Heaven. That's not what the passage is about. Paul, now, now listen, I do believe that God has prepared for us something that our eyes have never seen and ears have never heard and something that would just blow away the imaginations of humanity in heaven, but that's not what he's talking about. What's he talking about? I'm glad you asked. We'll tell you later. Write this down. In order for the church to be effective, it must regain its focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul, now, now let, let me just, I don't want to get academic with you, but let's just for a minute. Paul goes into this, uh, or writes this church in Corinth. Now, he's, he's writing to a different group of people. Uh, these were not Jewish Christians. These were typically Greek or Gentile Christians. And so uh, while, while Jewish people wanted a sign because they were looking for their Messiah, right? Greek people wanted knowledge. The Gentiles wanted knowledge. They wanted something. You've heard of Greek philosophers, right? They were all about the knowledge. And so Paul said, listen, I'm not coming to you. With, and, and Paul was a well-learned man. He was a very educated man. He said, I'm not coming to you with 
all of this wisdom and knowledge and I'm not coming here to blow you away with my education and I'm not coming here to blow you away with all the things that I can do and say. He said, I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not going to talk to you about the fact that I, I know all the rules and I know all the laws and I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I know it all, but I'm not talking to you about all that. I'm not talking to you about your culture. I'm not talking to you about what's going on in the city of Corinth. Right now, right now, I'm all, all I'm talking to you about is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's going to be a very familiar picture pop up on the screen. You've seen it all year long. And you're going to see it for the rest of the year. See, I'm, I'm convinced that where we get off the rails in our own Christian experience is when Jesus stops being the hub of our wheel. As long as Jesus is center, as long as Jesus is our focus, if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things are added to us. What is true for you as an individual is true for any church. When Jesus stops being the focus of our message, when the gospel stops being the focus of our outreach, and the gospel stops being the fo focus of everything we do with our kids, with our students, with our ladies, with our men, with everything that we, we do, when Jesus stops being the focus, we've lost our way. See, the church needs to speak truth about political issues. I believe that with all my heart. Do you agree with that? Can't be our focus. The church needs to be an advocate for the unborn. Do you believe that? Of course we do. Can't be our focus. The church needs to be an active in doing its part and our part in relieving and resolving the social dilemmas of our community. Do we need to do that? Do we need to help feed people and help clothe people and take care of people? Yes, of course we do. Can't be our focus. Our focus must be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The gospel. So our church, and, and not just LifePoint, but the Big C Church. I'll say it like this. We have to learn to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Because the church was birthed to equip God's people to accomplish His divine plan and live His divine life. That's why the church is here. And the church, when this letter was written, was brand new. And it was all, all of these complications and all of these cultural issues that they were facing were all brand new. But guess what? 2,000 years later, we're still dealing with the same stuff they were. What was the answer then? What was the answer to dealing with all the cultural tension of the first century? I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. So when culture goes crazy around us, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about Jesus and Him crucified. When... when, when the media is leaning on the church hard. What are we going to do? We're not going to talk about our education and our knowledge. We're going to talk about Jesus and Him crucified. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's what our culture is dying for. Yeah. See, they're not, you know, our, our, listen, 
I, I, I love our music, but our music doesn't impress the culture. We got plenty of music. My $40 Amazon lights doesn't impress anybody. Right? What's going to change the fabric of our community and the fabric of this culture is the gospel. We keep the main thing. The main thing. Here's what I want you to write down. That the church isn't an organization. It's a gathering. <laughs> it's, a, there's a, it's a Greek word. It's ecclesia. And it literally means a called out gathering. <laughs> this is deep what I'm getting ready to tell you. So I want you to, I need to lean into this next statement because it's deep and profound. You can't gather by yourself. <laughs> First Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, don't you realize that all of you together, say together. together. Can we say together, together? together? See, it's much better when we're together, isn't it? <laughs> That all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So the church is a gathering. It's a people. It's not an organization. It's a people. And this past Thursday night, I got a chance to go to the Braves game with some of the fellas. And it was fun, and we sat through a three-and-a-half-hour rain delay, and it was fun. Because I don't know if you know this, but when they have uh, a rain delay, they keep the concession stands open. So it was cool. <laughs> and it, it was just a wonderful time. Four guys, the camaraderie that was there, it was just a wonderful day. But something happened that I just thought was really, really interesting. We're in the rain delay and we kind of moved up under the shelter where we weren't getting rained on. And it was kind of gross. You know, the weather was kind of gross. And so we found a place where we could sit. <clears throat> a couple of the guys went after coffee. Come on, got to have some coffee. <laughs> and me and Daniel were just sitting there by ourselves. We got a seat that separates us and, you know, a row behind us. And we just began to talk about, uh, uh, about the things of God. He, we were talking about... Daniel teaches our young adults doing a great job. Him and my son Matthew are teaching, doing a great job. Yep, whoop, whoop, yep. And, uh, and we, we was talking about how we prepare, and it just became a very spiritual conversation. And I, I caught something out of the corner of my eye. There was, a, there was a young person sitting behind us. And it was, when we first started talking, he was leaning back against his chair. And the more we began to talk about the things of the Lord, the further toward us, he leaned up. And before we finished our conversation, he was on his knees, almost between us. You know what I learned that day? The culture is starved for the things of God. Yeah. And what's going to answer them in our, our political programs? It in our statements of what we believe in. You know, here's the problem. Sometimes the church is more vocal about what we're against than what we're for. That's a problem. See, I believe what, 
What the culture needs is a gathering of people. Whether it's in this building or four people at Truist Park. Whether it's a gathering uh, at, at Starbucks or at a restaurant. When God's people get together. Man, what you represent is a gathering of people that hold in your conversation and in your heart the hope for humanity. You, right, the, you are the church. And I've, listen, I've heard all the arguments, and, and I just don't, I don't argue this anymore. Because I, I hear all the time, well, I, I just don't need the church. <clears throat> yes, you do. Here's the argument I've heard. All I need is my Bible. It's a pretty good argument, isn't it? All I need is God's Word. But, you know, we, we don't do, we, we don't have that same mentality with 10th graders. Here's what we're going to do with a 10th grader. We're going to put them in a room by themselves with a geography book, an algebra book, and a world history book. And say, we'll be back in six months and you can take the test. It's not how it works, is it? You know why? Because you need community to learn. You need a community to grow. That's true in, in the academic world. And it's certainly true with God's people. We've said it many, many times. I'm going to say it again. I need you. You need me. We need each other. You are the church. And here's what, here's what God wants for His church. God wants His church to grow. Amen. Do you believe that? Now, are we, are we talking about fannies in the seats? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, we want, I want to take as many people to heaven as we can. Okay, but I, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Listen to what he says. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. <laughs> He's very subtle, isn't he? I had, to talk to you. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? I, I, think, I think what Paul was telling them, you've let your culture influence you more than my words have influenced you. You're paying more attention to what's going on around you than you are growing and becoming mature believers. And, and you notice there's one thing that he pointed out. He's like, you're behaving like everybody around you. You're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Here's the problem. How can we influence the culture? If we don't do a better job of taking care of each other than any other place in the world. If, if get, get online, y'all. It's, it's, it, it's breaking my heart. 
all of the, and I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to bore you, but you can, you, can, you can get on YouTube, and what you'll find is one pastor, or one, I, I call him a pastor, but I really think what, what they, a lot of these guys are, are unemployed dudes with a computer that sit in their basement and write blogs all day long. <laughs> and they'll find, they'll, they'll find something that a pastor said that might not agree with their theology, and they'll just blast him. Just blast him. And so an unbelieving, lost world looks at that and goes, they can't even treat each other decent. They can't even get their self together. So if, if we're going to influence culture, which I believe is our job, it matters how we treat each other. I believe one of the, and I, you can, you'll see this on the screen behind me, a key indicator of spiritual maturity is how we treat each other. Don't tell me how holy you are and then beat each other up at the Mexican restaurant. It's not how it's supposed to work. What we're supposed to be are salt and light to the world and family to each other. Now, does family, you know, quarrel from time to time? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here. But don't, does it get on anybody else's nerves? Maybe this is just me. Now listen, my children were not perfect and still aren't. But when, when we got Walmart and they misbehaved, we waited till we were not in Walmart anymore to take care of that business. And it usually sounded like, when I get you home. <laughs> See, I, I think what we ought to do is, is deal with our issues and, and grow up and be mature about our disagreements. But keep the main thing the main thing. Now, there, are there things that, that we might... There, are there doctrinal stances that, that might be different in this building, there are a building down the street. Maybe. But you know what I've learned? I've got enough pastor friends in many different denominations that I've learned this, that we agree on much more than we disagree on. So let's do this. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's preach Jesus and Him crucified. Write this down. The temple, your temple, my temple, this temple must have a foundation. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So I, I want to say it like this. If your church experience is built on anything but Jesus, you'll leave disappointed. I have a good, good friend who pastors not too terribly far from here, from here who for years worked for one of the largest churches in North Georgia. He told me a story one time. We were having lunch, and he told me a story. He said, do you know, people would walk into our building with their children ready to go to church and find out our pastor wasn't preaching, turn around, get in their car, and go home. Because their church experience was built on a personality. Now, you may come here and find out Dwayne's not preaching, that Mikey or Matthew's preaching. 
Or, and, and maybe that disappoints you. Or maybe you come in here and find out that I am preaching and that disappoints you. How many know it's not about who's standing here? It's not about who's singing the song. It's not about who's preaching the message. It's about Christ and Him crucified. And that must be our main thing. And if you're coming to church for anything else, if you're coming to church because maybe they sing my song or I like the, the person that's standing on stage, whether that's here or anywhere else, eventually you're going to be disappointed. But if you walk in those doors, or wherever you're going to church, if you walk in those doors, and you're, I have one objective today, and that's to lift high the matchless name of Jesus, to exalt the name of God, to lift high Jesus' name, and to serve and honor and worship Him, you'll never leave disappointed. I don't care if the, if, if the praise team's off key. I don't care if the pastor doesn't have his stuff together. If you'll go in there, and, and my goal today is lift up the name of Jesus, you will never leave disappointed. Because when we lift him up, he fills the room, y'all. Because, oh, by the way, he was here before you were. Oh. See, it's not. We get so. We get so enamored with our stuff. And this experience isn't about us. It's never supposed to be about us. There's a song that was, was popular many years ago and it was called an audience of one what if that was our mentality when we when we preach and when we sing and when we listen and when we participate what if that's our mentality that we are we're, we're here i'm not here for these folks that are around me i'm glad they're here and i love them and i can't wait for us to go you know to to you know the restaurant after this is all over but what i'm here to do now is to build my life on the foundation that is christ jesus and him crucified you'll never leave disappointed oh by the way it's a pretty good foundation because we're still talking about him two thousand years later here's what i want you to do name a government that's been around for two thousand years Name a company that's been around for 2,000 years. See? The church was birthed to equip God's people to accomplish His divine plan and live in His divine life. And part of this is a divine mystery. Would you like to hear about the mystery? Let's go back to, the, to our passage at the very beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, but I'm going to read the 10th verse this time too says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 says, but it was to us, who's us? Us. That's a Greek word that means us. That God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So what's the big secret? What's the big mystery? What's the divine mystery? So you got to do a little digging there. See, Paul's not using his words there. If you look at it in your, you know, if you're reading along in your Bible, there's probably quotation marks. And it's because he's paraphrasing Isaiah 64, verse 4. Hmm. Isaiah 64, verse 4 says, No eye has seen, no ears heard, no minds imagined. And then it, if you read that whole chapter, it talks about, a people that's in trouble. 
Isaiah says our righteousness in Isaiah 64 is like a filthy rag. They were in trouble. Their temple was destroyed. They didn't have a temple. It was gone. And, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing that passage, but, but it, the, this group of people, this, the children of Israel said, we know, God, that you love us, but we're in trouble. And that, that chapter starts with a plea. It says, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. We're in trouble. Our temple is gone. We can't live this life on our own. Oh, that you would burst down from heaven and come here. And then 700 years later, that's exactly what God did. He left heaven and showed up on earth as a baby in a manger. And he built a brand new temple. Who's the temple? you are and that's the mystery how could how could god answer the prayer which is now 2700 years old god we're we're broken we we don't have a we don't have a temple our our righteousness is wrong and bad and we can't measure up and we need your help we know you love us but we're in trouble what's the answer the answer the mystery is that god never intended to live in a building he lives in a people and that's you and it's me the mystery today is that the world is looking for their answer in an organization and they'll never find it there They'll find it. You'll find it. I'll find it. Because God is alive and well on the earth in the body of Christ. <laughs> Here's the mystery. You can write this down. What is that thing that God has prepared for those that love Him? God has prepared for you, listen to this, abundant life, freedom, Anybody been set free by the power of the blood of the cross? Yeah. Abundant life, freedom, joy, and fellowship through the power of the gospel. That's the mystery. The mystery is you'll find everything you need to live this life, to live eternally and abundantly. You'll find freedom. You'll find joy. You'll find peace. You'll find Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Not in an organization, not in a building, but when you're connected to the body of Christ through the power of the gospel. So how do we resolve that tension we talked about? How do we resolve it? If there's ever been a time when our world needs truth, it's today. So how do we resolve the tension? We speak truth, we live truth, and we love truth in the person of Jesus Christ and His gospel. Is everybody going to... Uh, no, everybody's not going to like it. Listen, and <laughs> I have a character flaw. I have many character flaws. But one of them is, I want everybody to like me. Is there anybody that, I mean, there's some of y'all like, I don't care who likes me. 
But anybody like me, you just, you just want everybody to like you. Oh, okay, three, three of us. Yeah, me and you. I want everybody to like me. And you know what I've learned? Everybody doesn't like you. Especially when you stand for something. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to like us. Everybody's not going to like the church. Everybody doesn't like the gospel. So we have a choice to make. We can either stand for truth. Now listen. I don't don't, don't have time for this, but I I feel compelled to say this. We can stand for truth and be kind. You you with me? We can stand for truth and be kind. See, I think some people believe that because I stand for truth, it means I got to, you know, I need a megaphone and I need a, you know, a sign and I need to trump all the, no. Now listen, there's some major issues facing the church and facing our culture today that, that, that I believe the church needs to stand stand for okay I think we can do it in a way that glorifies God stand for truth you don't have to apologize when it's truth first Corinthians chapter 3 ends with this word whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So here's, all right, I don't know how y'all are, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I've got to read it, I've got to comprehend it, and I've got to put it in Dwayne language. Does that make sense to y'all? I've got I to put it, I've got I to understand it in, in the way I process thoughts. So when I read this, I, I, here's how I read it. If you're Baptist, if you're Presbyterian, if you're Pentecostal, if you're American, if you're Japanese, if you're old, if you're young, in Christ and in his gospel, you can find everything you need. Amen. Amen. Yes, there's tension. And and I don't like it. I don't like tension. I want everybody to get along. If if there was ever a moment when Don and I were having a disagreement, nobody in the house was going to sleep until it was resolved. I'm just saying, I don't like tension. The truth of the matter is there's always going to be tension between a lost and dying world and the church. But here's what we're called to do. We're called to leave this building endued with power from on high. To live a life, to live his life in a lost and dying world in such a way that people want what you have.
I guess the way I want to finish our time together here today, the, the only way, the only way you can influence culture with the power of the gospel is if you have been transformed by the power of the gospel. You know, I, I used to think that a, a, a statement like that meant, okay, there was a moment when I knelt beside my bed or I knelt at an altar and surrendered my life to Christ and He changed it all. And I'm thankful for that moment. And, I've, and, and many, if not most of you guys, have had an encounter just like that. But here's what I'm learning. That the gospel transforms my life every day and as long as I'm in pursuit of Christ as long as I keep the main thing the main thing then he's continually working on me and changing me Paul said that we work out our salvation in fear and trembling and so here's how I want to I want to pray now obviously if you're in the room and, and you've never received Christ Man, I, I'd love you to do that today. I'd, I'd love you to, to surrender your life. The, the Bible teaches us that if we repent of our sins and believe in our heart that Christ is raised from the dead, we'll be saved. And that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. That God's, God, The beautiful part of this transaction is God gives you brand new life. And I believe that that can happen. And if you've never experienced that, then that can happen for you today. You repent. You, you confess your sins and ask Christ to, to become Lord of your life. And then from this day forward, you, you, He's the, the hub of your will. And I, I hope that all of you have made that decision. And if you haven't, then that can be today. But I bet that most of us, many of us that have made that choice and we've made Christ our Lord Dwayne there's some areas in my life that I I need for God through the power of his gospel through the work of the cross of Christ because there's a bloody cross and an empty tomb because his spirit dwells among us that thing you're struggling with the gospel's powerful enough that relationship that's broken the gospel's powerful enough the spirit of God is powerful enough to enable you to live his divine life it is well Dwayne what if I fail oh you're gonna He's going to continue molding you and shaping you. And you're going to be more like Him day after day after day. See, I can say this with confidence because God's still working some stuff out in Dwayne. There's still some actions and some attitudes that, I, that, that don't look like Jesus. And so I, I think I'd like for us to end this service as the church as the called out ones as the gathering 
as the people of God for us to pray together and for each other. See, because just like you're working out some stuff, that person sitting in front of you, behind you, beside you, they're working out some stuff too. You may live in their house with them and you don't know it, but they're working some stuff out too. And so if the goal of us gathering together is for us to live out God's purpose on the earth and to live His divine life, then God has to continually mold us and make us and shape us into His image. And you and I all need that. And it's only available. It's only possible. The work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel. So I'm going to pray for all of us. But I would challenge you to pray. Lord, what is it in me that needs to change? What attitude is it? What action is it? What thing it is left unsurrendered in my life? What, what is it? That's a dangerous prayer, y'all. You ask God to start revealing stuff to you, and He will. What relationship do I need to fix? What habit do I need to leave at the cross? Hey, maybe you're here and you're you're suffering with crippling anxiety. Listen, I I know how that feels. And I want you to hear me. The gospel's bigger than that. The power of the cross and the power of the Spirit of God is bigger than that. And you can leave that at the foot of the cross. And Jesus will walk through that with you. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to stand across this room and we're going to pray together. But as I pray, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God would change you and mold you and make you and and, and reveal whatever's in your life that doesn't belong. And, And then I want you to pray for somebody that's around you. Maybe you don't even know their name. Man, I I believe if you would just call on the name of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, do a work in your life and in mine. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, before we ask anything of you, we thank you for the cross of Christ and an empty tomb. We thank you that just as we heard in those songs this morning, that we have hope and we have peace, not because we're good people, but because we serve a great big God an alive God who rose from the dead. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us part of your body. Thank you, Lord, that you've attached us to a gathering this morning of imperfect people who God is equipping and empowering to fulfill His mission and live His life. I pray for those standing in this room, those that are watching online. God, all of us, you're working out our salvation in fear and trembling. God, there there are attitudes and actions represented in this room that, that, God, we need to bring into submission to your purpose and plan. There are relationships this morning that that need healing. And God, I believe that you're calling people to be uh, bastions of peace. God, I believe that you're healing anxiety and depression this morning because you can.
God, thank you that in you, <laughs> we have everything we need. There's nothing that, that, that I need that you don't possess. So God, we worship you. And thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Pry our fingers from the earthly. Let us love your glory. In Jesus' name. I want Donna to sing that, just that chorus. Just pry our fingers from the earthly. Let's make this a prayer today. Let us love your glory. Everything is ours. Everything is ours in you. Pry our fingers from the earthly. Let us love your last thing that you do in this service it, to be offering God an incredible ovation of worship and praise because he's worthy because he's good he's able amen 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 God bless y'all